Side Street Stories presents The Witness of Kitab Al-Azif VKS catalog hash 4x.67 forward slash forward slash carcosa. As John and the witness approach their destination, they come across a strange and eerie landscape that seems to have been untouched for centuries. The sky is a sickly shade of yellow, and the trees are twisted and gnarled as if they have been corrupted by some unseen force. The air is heavy with an unearthly silence, and even the birds have fled this place. As they walk further, they come across Lake Halley, a body of water surrounded by dark and ominous clouds. The lake is eerily still and its waters are black as ink, reflecting the bleak sky above. John and the witness pause for a moment to take in the eerie sight, and both are filled with a sense of foreboding. Despite the ominous atmosphere, they continue on, drawn by the mysterious call that brought them to this land outside of Carcosa. As they walk, they see strange ruins in the distance, and they know that they are getting close to their destination. They quicken their pace, eager to uncover the secrets that this place holds. Finally, they arrive at their destination, a towering stone structure that seems to defy the laws of physics. Its walls are adorned with strange symbols and the air around it shimmers with an otherworldly energy. John and the witness approach the structure, ready to unlock its secrets and unravel the mystery of Carcosa. VKS catalog hash 4x.79 forward slash forward slash Carcosa. As John and the witness cross the bridge leading into the lost city of Carcosa, they are greeted by a haunting melody played by a mysterious figure known as the Herald of the City. The music is both beautiful and eerie, evoking a sense of both wonder and fear in the pair. The herald stands on the far side of the bridge, playing a strange instrument that resembles a flute but produces a sound unlike any John and the Witness have ever heard before. 
The music seems to fill the air and echo throughout the city, carrying with it a message that the pair cannot quite grasp. Despite their apprehension, John and the witness continue towards the Herald, drawn by the beauty of the music and the sense of mystery surrounding the lost city of Carcosa. As they reach the far side of the bridge, the Herald stops playing and greets them with a nod, as if inviting them further into the city to uncover its secrets. BKS catalog hash 4x.92 forward slash forward slash Carcosa. As John and the witness make their way through the twisted streets of the lost city of Carcosa, they encounter a parade that seems to stretch on for miles. At the forefront of the parade is a train of shotguns, each one being driven by servitors who beat out a haunting rhythm on their drums and flutes. The cultists, adorned in yellow robes, follow close behind, chanting in an unknown language. Flying down from the purple sky are the Miko, their buzzing wings filling the air as they escort the procession. The star vampires, with their ghastly pale skin and piercing eyes, swoop down from above, taking in the sights and sounds of the parade. And finally, the Biyaki, creatures of the night, dance and twist to the chaotic music, their serpentine movements both beautiful and grotesque. As John and the witness make their way through the parade, they are drawn towards the King in Yellow's palace, the final destination of the procession. The palace is imposing, its walls stretching high into the sky and its gates guarded by fearsome creatures that seem to have stepped straight out of a nightmare. Despite their fear, John and the witness approach the palace, eager to meet the enigmatic king in yellow and uncover the secrets of the lost city of Carcosa. BKS catalog hash 4x.101 forward slash forward slash Carcosa. John and the witness approached the throne room of the king in yellow, their nerves jangling with a mixture of excitement and fear. They had traveled for weeks to reach Carcosa, and now, at last, they were about to meet the enigmatic ruler who held the power to grant John's request. The doors to the throne room creaked open, and John and the witness stepped inside. The room was dark and eerie, illuminated only by flickering candles. In the center of the room, on a throne carved from a strange yellow stove, sat the king in yellow. He was dressed in flowing robes of a deep golden hue, and his face was obscured by a hooded cloak. The two magicians felt his gaze upon them, and they trembled under its weight. You have come to see me. The king in yellow said, his voice cold and menacing. What is it that you seek? Your Majesty. John said, bowing deeply. I have come to ask for your help. I am a magician, and I have had magical instruments implanted in my body. 
I can no longer bear their weight, and I beg of you to let The king in yellow was silent for a long moment, and John and the witness held their breath, wondering what his response would be. You would ask a great favor of me, the king in yellow said finally. And what, I wonder, do you have to offer in return? I have brought with me a powerful artifact, your majesty, John said, holding out a small glowing orb. It is a magical device that has the power to control the elephants. I offer it to you in token of my gratitude. The king in yellow took the orb from John's outstretched hands and held it up to the light. This is a powerful gift indeed, he said. Very well, I will grant your request. But be warned, the price for my services will be steep. You must be willing to pay any price I ask. John nodded, and the king in yellow gestured for him to come closest. The two magicians stepped forward, and the king in yellow reached out and touched John's forehead. In that moment, the magical instruments implanted within John's body were removed, and he felt a weight lifting from his soul. He breathed a sigh of relief and thanked the king in yellow. Remember, Remember. the king in yellow said, his voice echoing through the throne room. The price for my services will be steep. One day I will come to collect what is owed. With those ominous words, the king in yellow disappeared into the shadows, leaving John and the witness to ponder the cost of their encounter. They left the throne room, shaken but grateful, and made their way back to the outside world, wondering what their future would hold. This has been a production of Side Street Stories. It is engineered and produced in Grummus Studios. Story by Drummus. Writing by Aaron Afamenko. Music and sound production by Drummus. The Witness is played by Aaron Afamenko. John is played by Drummus. you have just listened to is based on a true story 
any similarity to events present, past, or future is purely non-coincidental. The persons, places, and things depicted in the podcast are dangerously real. Do not read from the book. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy Side Street Stories, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.